Welcome to the Rad Moms Takeover. Yeah, this is exciting, Stacy. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Well, it's not Mother's Day right now, but through the magic of editing and technology, this episode is coming out on Mother's Day, which is awesome and super exciting. What uh, what are you up to for Mother's Day? Um, I don't have a plan yet. I might do some things with uh, some mom friends, actually. My family's kind of all in different places on Mother's Day. Well, yeah, so you're... We can see you're out in the sunshine right now. You're it doesn't look like Colorado where you are. No, I'm in California right now. So it's it is sunny in Colorado too, but uh it's much greener here where I'm at right now. What's uh what's happening in California? Well, uh let's see. This week starts out a tour, a descendants tour, so I have my husband and my son who's in plasma canvas um on tour together for the first time. So it's pretty exciting. So I'm out here to meet up with them for some shows. And uh, later in the week, or as the week begins, my the rest of my family flies out. That's super exciting. So, yeah. we, we were kind of talking <clears throat> about that, that um, when Bill was on the Rad Dad show, he was talking about how you guys just got Miles's first guitar. That was, you know, 2019. And now, mm-hmm. not not even four years later, they're on tour together. It's nuts. Yeah, it really is nuts, actually. <laughs> yeah. So that must be exciting for you to sort of see that happen. Yeah, it really is. It's super exciting. And it's just nice to see them uh, bonding. And I don't know, it's just really cool. Like Miles, you know, he got into music, um, you know, playing guitar, like we said, you know, in 2019. And before that, it was just a part of our lives where, you know, he'd go to a show and he'd sleep and whatever. So now it's cool because he's he's like in the, you know, in a tour bus with his dad and stuff. So I think it's cool. That's crazy. Um, what, so what else is new with you? We had you on the inaugural episode of the Rad Moms Takeover and sort of, um, I guess, giving everybody an introduction to you. So what's what's new since then? That was about a year ago. And here we are with the, the next episode. Well, um, I don't think there's a lot new. I've just spent a lot of this year um, still doing um, some art shows and uh, photography. Um, a lot of taking care of my parents throughout this past year. Right. And uh, I guess the newest thing is now that we're getting this rolling and getting some moms on here to interview. Yeah. So that's a good segue. <laughs> who who are we talking to today? Well, I have uh, a couple uh, ladies that I really admire and they're best friends. So I have Erin uh, Kelly Burkett and Bridget Sly. So I have, uh, that's going to be pretty exciting here when everybody gets to listen to that since the very beginning when you and I kind of first started talking about this you always had it in your mind that these two were going to be um interviewed I think first so it's always sort of the the dream so tell me about that a little bit like why why were you adamant about um Aaron and and Bridget coming on the show and coming on together I just thought it would be really fun to start um with those two in particular their their best friends you know, I, I watch them. I mean, I've, I've known them for years. Um, I don't get to see them in person very often, but, you know, through social media, I get to watch their lives together. Um, they just have a really cool uh, relationship and, you know, they're, they're moms together, like their, their kids, you know, are growing up together. So right. I really just, I love watching them and um, I don't know, it's just a really special relationship that they have. So I just thought it would be great to start with um, having two moms on that are best friends. It's so good. Like it's such a such a good interview, and I love um, 
it actually reminded me a lot of when you and I chatted, there were a few things that you guys talked about that um, I thought were very similar to your own experience that you shared as a mom. Um, one of the things Aaron talked about was kind of before she was a real mom um, to a child, she kind of felt like a mom uh, to all the fat rec bands. thought that was kind of an interesting parallel. And you've talked about that. I think you mentioned that your nickname with your friend group was mom. Yeah, no, it's true. I've always been the mom my whole life to everybody. So definitely. And when Aaron was talking about that part too, I, I related even more to it because it just reminded me about the studio and like all the bands that come through the studio and how I'm always, you know, momming, momming those bands and stuff too. And now even more so like I have Miles has two bands, so I'm, I'm a mom to two new bands, you know? So not just my friends or my kids, it's, you know, I really related to a lot of things Aaron said. Right. And you guys are all kind of at a similar point too, with your kids, like, you know, quote unquote, leaving the nest. Right. And you guys talked about that. I really enjoyed that conversation too, about how, you know, the role of the parent doesn't change. Um, I, okay. So I guess it changes, um, but you still feel responsible for your kids. You still worry about your kids and all those things when they, you know, move out of the house or go off to college or get their own careers and, and things like that. Yeah, it's definitely true. Like that, that was the other thing too. It's like, you know, they both have uh, their oldest and, um, you know, college and stuff right now. And, you know, that same day I was interviewing them, I had, you know, Miles in our house sick and I was helping take care of him. And it's like, right. you just don't stop momming. And, you know, even Maddie, she doesn't even live with me, but I'm still momming her, you know, from afar. And yeah, it just, it does change. Like it, it almost, you almost get more, um, more intense on how you parent at that point. Like as they get older, there's a lot more to it. Well, there's maybe not like, so my kids are younger, as you know, but you see how like, as your kids get older, you might have less like interactions with them, like needing to intervene and do something. Mm -hmm. But the severity of those interactions, I or you know, like, yeah, the severity or, or the seriousness can sometimes, you know, their problems are bigger <laughs> as they get older is what I mean to say. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's def it definitely, there's, there's a lot more to it, you know, as you get older, like they're, they're different kinds of things you have to help them with. Yeah. Well, I thought this, this conversation was really fun. Um, there was some serious stuff that you guys talked about, right? Loss and divorce and, and kind of childhood trauma and things like that. But um, I think it really came to like a really hopeful place and a really positive place. I think people will really get a lot out of it. I certainly did. And um, kind of was smiling the whole time I was listening to it. So I'm super excited to share it. Um, thank you so much for organizing it and being part of, of this show and sort of sharing the stories of parents. I'm just super excited about it. Should we get to it? What do you think? Yeah, I think we should. Let's get to it. This is Aaron Kelly Burkett. This is Bridget Sly. And you are listening to the Rad, Rad Moms, Moms Takeover. Takeover. Hey, all you rad moms out there. Hello, and welcome to the Rad Moms Takeover. I have some lovely ladies here with us today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Ladies. Hello, my name is Erin Kelly Briquette. I own Fat Records, and I am mother to Darla Briquette. And I am Bridget Sly. I'm an HR leader, and I am mother to Fiona and Kira. Awesome. And uh, do you consider both of yourselves to be rad moms? <laughs> um, 
I well, from speaking from my perspective, I don't, I wouldn't really use the term rad. I don't think I ever really thought about myself in that term. Um, I do think I'm a pretty badass mom. I definitely um, do the best that I can. And my daughter is now 18. And judging by what a lovely um, young woman she's turned out to be, I think that I must have done a pretty good job. So I don't know. I think I'm. I think I'm okay. Okay. I think you are. Very much so. Yeah. And I would also agree. I think I'm also a badass mom to Fiona and Kira. And I had to make sure that that was what they also thought before I joined this. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Awesome. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how the two of you became friends? Uh, and known each other for a really long time because Bridget's husband, Tony Sly, um, was in a band, No Use for Name, which obviously everybody knows. And they, um, were on fat records. And so we'd known each other sort of casually through the years and had always been very friendly and, you know, interacted at shows and what have you. But our friendship really kindled after Tony passed. Um, we just sort of bonded and I saw um, an opportunity just to become a little bit more of a support system for Bridget because we were, we were obviously all mourning the loss of Tony, but in a very different way, obviously, than Bridget or Kira or Fiona were. And so I sort of felt like this was an opportunity for me to um, be a better support system for her. And through that, we just became like besties sort of almost immediately. Okay, that's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to say, I think I might change the show to Badass Moms. Because <laughs> before either of you said that, I was thinking, man, this is, yeah, they're badass. Like, this is more than rad. Um, so, uh, on that note, uh, what do you think uh, makes a rad mom or a badass mom? What are the traits that you think? Bridget, why do you go first? As if I'm the authority on parenting. Um, <laughs> my mom would be laughing right now. Um, what makes a badass mom? I don't know. I think having open communication with your kid and trust. I mean, with my kids, um, I'm very, very clear on our principles. I want to make sure that, you know, they can negotiate anything with me, push back on anything but education, safety, and health. And they've known that since they were little. So I think that's given them the freedom to kind of grow into their own individual people. And if my kids are growing up to be their own individual, unique persons, then for me, I think I've done my job. And of course that they're happy and thriving and healthy, but more importantly for me is just making sure that, that they have that opportunity to be themselves. Yeah, agreed. And I would add to that, that um, again, the core values, what's been important for me with Darla is just trying to make sure that she becomes a very um, empathic, compassionate, thoughtful person, because I feel like that's something that's a little bit lacking these days and specifically accountability for her actions and recognizing how her actions impact everybody around her. These are things that I feel like were sort of lacking in my upbringing and I had to sort of go through the motions to figure that uh, those that stuff out. Um, and just sort of watching her grow and um, learn and watching her overcome the same sort of obstacles that I faced as I was growing up, but watching how she actually is learning from those quicker than I did makes me just, you know, 
is really proud um, and, and brings me a lot of joy. Um, but I think like, if I had to think about like, what, if I consider myself to be a badass mom, again, I'm not necessarily labeling myself that I think I'm pretty good and I do the best that I can. But I think the most important thing is that I always put Darla first. And I think that sounds really cliche and pretty basic, but honestly, so I see a lot of people that aren't doing that. And you can see that reflected in their behavior as adults. I think that children who have been prioritized as a child and always felt that they were important and their opinions were valid and their and their opinions mattered and that they always felt safe and that they were able to have an open line of communication with their parents and that they were always going to be heard. I think you can really see that in adults, children that haven't been given that. I see a huge difference in the way that a difference in the way that they behave. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Totally. So Bridget, let me ask you this. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your mom's story? Like where you were in your life, like how old you were, like just kind of the things that were happening when you became a mom. Yeah. Well, it starts, I mean, Tony and I started dating when I was 12 off and on throughout high school. And then we finally got together as boyfriend and girlfriend when I was 19. Um, but we stayed 10 years together without children. Uh, we always wanted kids, but we also recognized we had a lot to get out of our system whether it was traveling, work, et cetera. And we had a lot to learn. Um, so I actually became a mom at 30 uh, when I um, had Fiona. And um, the question was around my career, right? Where it was in my career. Yes. And yeah, so I was still somewhat early in my career. I graduated from college, I think when I was 25, I kind of took my time uh, just kind of finding my path and finding my way. Um, and then with Kira, um, I had her about four to five years later. Um, and uh, yeah, it was um, a very interesting time of my life because it was a time where I was still figuring out what my passions were and what I wanted to do. And then also being a mom and raising kids. Um, Tony was traveling all the time. The band was doing really well and he was on the road. And I was also trying to manage the children. Uh, we, we moved from San Jose over to Roseville uh, and then back over into San Jose. So there was lots of moves and lots of um, highs and lows in that journey. Uh, in what ways has being a mom changed you? Oh, being a mom, I mean, it clearly it humbles you. It's made me more curious about the world that we live in. Uh, it's made me um, want to understand how my kids are going to fit in. Um, it's made me really, really try and focus to be in the present moment with my kids. Uh, that's really, really, really important to me because as we all know, this stuff goes by really, really, really fast. Um, yeah, it's those. That's what I would say was what's what it's changed me. It's been um, I don't even remember what it was like before being a mom. Do you, Erin? No. Yeah. I mean, I no. I yeah. can't, can't. I can't imagine my life without Darla. She's the. She's my most favorite person in this world, and the most important thing to me. And she's the first thing that I think about in the morning. She's the last thing that I think about at night. She's the person that I worry about all day long. Like, I don't remember what it was like to not be a parent. <laughs> really don't. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, what I will say, even then with them going off to college, I think both you and I are still trying to figure out what is that next life for us, right? As we see them grow up and kind of fly out of the nest. Yeah. Right? What does that look like for us? And I know that's hard for both yeah. of us. To well, be Bridget and I talk about this all the time because I kind of thought that when, because both Fiona and Darla are freshmen in college, 
And I was under the impression that maybe once she went off to college, this whole parenting thing was going to get a little bit easier. I thought, <laughs> I thought like it would be less work and I and it would be less worry. And honestly, I don't find that to be true. I think I kind of worry more. Yeah. And find that they still need their moms just as much as they did on a daily basis. I mean, we talk all day, every day, and there's still a lot of things that we need to facilitate for them because, you know, Darla's 18, but I don't, I don't, I think 18 being an adult is so arbitrary. I don't feel like she's an adult at all. I mean, she's a young woman, but am I going to send her off to Europe and traipse around Europe alone with Fiona? No. <laughs> <laughs> That was an inside joke. The girls, okay. are going to, the girls are going to London with me okay. uh, for a week, and we're going to go to one or two of those punk and drublic festivals in uh, in the UK. And so then I'm <laughs> then I'm flying off to Canada with Lagwagon, and the girls are supposed to fly home. And they gave us a big pitch the other day about how they thought that they could. They don't have to go home. They can even after I leave, they can just stay in Europe and. I said, oh, by yourself? And Darla was like, yeah. And I said, where exactly do you think you're going? And she said, well, we were thinking Ibiza. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to Ibiza, the life capital of sex and drugs and rave music. I'm like, that's happening alone. You're not doing that. Oh, man. Yeah, crazy kids. Well, to backtrack a little bit, Erin, tell me uh, about your mom's story, about where you were in your life when you found out you were going to be a mom. and if you had so, any fears. Similar to Bridget, uh, Mike and I met when I was 17. We started dating when I was 19. We got married when I was 24. And then we were extremely happy. And, you know, we felt already like we were parents. We started Fat Records together. And I already felt like a mom to all of my bands. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but it's honestly true because there's a, there's a lot of motherly um, instincts and and responsibilities that go into running a label and taking care of your bands. Like, in, especially in the very early stages where everything was smaller and everything just sort of felt like a family. And I felt like all these band members were my children. So I felt fulfilled and I was never, I was never one of those children or young girls growing up that thought like, I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to be a mom. Honestly, I could have not gotten married and been totally fine. Mike and I could have just lived together and been happy. I didn't, I didn't need to have a ceremony or a ring. That was never part of my plan, really. We just sort of decided, eh, we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. So why not, why not have a party? And I never really thought that I needed to be a mother. But after like 10 years of marriage, maybe around 34, we saw a lot of our friends starting to have children. And then I just started thinking about it. I'm like, God, are we blowing it? Because we had consciously decided not to have kids. We were like, we're happy. Let's not mess with it. We don't need that. And also I had a troubled childhood. So I wasn't really the kind of person that just thought like, well, I'm just going to jump in and start a family. That wasn't really just part of the plan. But then we just started, I started to feel kind of like I was missing out on something. And I and as the clock starts to tick, as they say, because I was 34 when we started thinking about it, I'm like, God, if we're going to do this, we really should do it. And then we sort of had a pact and we all kind of got pregnant together. Um, really good friends of mine, Kent and Kristen Jameson. Kent has was has been and now is again managing NoFX for years and years. And um, Joey Cape's wife at the time, um, 
Kristen Cape, we were all really, really tight friends. And we just said, you know what? Why don't we just do this? Why don't we all get pregnant? And so we all got pregnant right around the same time. And Bridget got pregnant as well. And our British friends that live in the UK, um, the mod from Snuff, we all got pregnant right around the same time. So we all have children that are within six months to a year apart. Um, and I kind of didn't really expect, I don't know that I really thought that it was going to change my life as much as it did, because I just kind of thought like, I don't know, we're just this big, happy family. And, you know, we were traveling like it was just this felt like one big vacation at that time. We were working really hard. Definitely Fat Records was doing well, but we just took trips all the time. We would get all of our friends together whenever there was a big festival in Europe or a festival in Australia or a festival in Japan. We'd be like, let's all go. And there was usually a bunch of fat bands playing. So it was just like one big party. And in my mind, I just thought, we're just going to bring these kids along with us and they're just going to add to the fun. And I thought more of it as like kind of a fun adventure and less of like <laughs> how much work was going to be involved in it, you know. And then the second she popped out, everything changed in my entire life. My priorities totally changed. And I was like, I don't want to do this stuff anymore. I just want to stay home with this baby. Like, I didn't, everything changed. All that cliche stuff that everybody says is 100% true. And the second you give birth, you just have, you only have eyes for your child. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Bridget, uh, what do you feel has been the most uh, rewarding aspect about being a mother? Oh, just seeing them grow into their own little people, um, making their own decisions. Um, yeah, just really just seeing them grow into their own people, I would say is the number one thing. And helping them find their own voice and being advocates for themselves. Again, that's there's a lot of that stuff happening right now that she's, a, especially with Fiona, that's a, she's a freshman in college and then Kira is a freshman in high school. So to me, seeing that is uh, really, really cool. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with your parents or your mother specifically growing up? You want me to anything, anything that you learned maybe that you did differently with your kids? Yeah, I mean, I think with my mother, my mom comes from the Seychelles Islands, which is Northeast Madagascar in the Indian Ocean. She came from a family of 12 to 13 people, came to the U.S. when she was 18. And uh, she got married to a man that was in the U.S. Navy. They got divorced and she met my father, who was here from Ireland at the time. And then they had me. She had zero family, zero support, um, with the exception, of course, my dad. And they shortly got divorced five or six or six years later. Um, that was that played a big toll on me and that expressed myself in negative ways throughout my childhood. I think I was pretty tough on my mother. Um, cause I didn't understand, you know, where she was, been, where she had come from and, and the challenges that were in front of her and parenting. Um, but I will say that our relationship now is beautiful. She's a lovely woman. She's a bad, she's a badass mom. She's very, very strong. She took care of us, um, you know, as a single parent and obviously helped with my father too. But, um, yeah, our, our relationship now is great and I continue to learn from her and, um, it is, it's good now. I can attest to that. Bridget's mom is amazing. She's a lovely, lovely woman. Yeah. So Erin, that brings us to you. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with your mom or your parents or maybe something yeah. that you took with you to, you know, raise Darla or something you left oh. behind? I mean, I had a, Darla has had a very different childhood than I had. And in fact, at times I have looked at her and 
<laughs> for lack of a better term, was kind of jealous of the, <laughs> of the, of the childhood <laughs> that I gave her because I, without going into too much detail, I had a troubled childhood and my dad was abusive. And so as a result of that, I needed to distance myself from my family in order to, you know, preserve myself and take care of myself and become the best version that I, of myself that I could. So unfortunately, I'm not close with my family. Um, my dad has since passed away. My mother and I are, you know, we have a relationship, but it's not what I would like it to be. But that's okay. Um, you know, I feel like mostly what I've done and the ways that I've learned from my childhood, unfortunately, were I have chosen to do things very differently in than I was raised. And thankfully, I've been able to be um, financially successful as well. I was raised very poor. And so part of the things that I've done with my daughter is I just really wanted to give her all the opportunities that I felt that I didn't have in my childhood. And I've been lucky enough to do that. And I don't, and that, again, I mentioned the finances, but that's not the most important thing. The most important thing was just being, um, emotionally available to my child and making sure that she always had a voice. Um, I think it's safe for me to say this because I can't imagine that my mother would ever hear this, but <laughs> I never felt like my, I never felt seen or heard. And I felt like my opinion didn't matter. Like specifically my dad, not so much my mom, but children were, were meant to be seen and not heard. And you didn't speak unless you were spoken to. Like it was a very different childhood that I had. And so when I became a parent, I made a very conscious effort to make sure that she always felt like she mattered. And that even though she was small, um, her opinion counted. And I think that's huge because I think that when you raise a child like that, they grow up to be a young woman or a young adult. And they understand that they do speak up when they see something that's wrong or when someone's doing something to them that is wrong. They have the strength within them because they were taught that they do matter. Um, and I think that's huge because I watched my daughter becoming a strong, independent, fierce young woman and really standing up when she sees something that's wrong and voicing her opinion and specifically taking accountability if she makes a mistake and saying, I'm sorry, that wasn't right and I'll try to do better. And I've watched her grow and learn and that's huge for me. I think that's the most important thing. That's great. What would you say um, maybe that you've learned from Bridget, watching Bridget be a mother? Oh my God. That you Bridget. maybe maybe you wish that you did or uh, that you admire about Bridget. Be nice, be nice. Oh, you can't be Bridget. I mean, Bridget is the best mom that I know, and I can say that. Um, God, I'm gonna cry. Make <laughs> me cry. Sorry, but Bridget has overcome so much in her life and is one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life, and is the absolute best mother. To Kira and Fiona and having to go through, sorry, but what you went through and being not only financially responsible, but emotionally responsible in all of the responsibilities that it, that happens when you don't have a partner anymore, then you've had to go through the process of mourning the loss of your husband and then helping your children through that loss. Like you're fucking amazing. Like I don't, I don't know how you've done what you've done and you created two such beautiful young women that I consider to be my second daughters as well. 
third, second and third daughters. And I mean, I learn from you all the time. You're the first person that I call when I don't know what to do. When Darla does something and I'm like, what do I do here? You're the first person I always call and say, here's what happened. I don't, I don't want to overreact. Am I overreacting? Am I underreacting? I don't know where I'm supposed to react here. Like, I always call you with that stuff and you always talk me through it. You're great. I love you. Thank you. And I mean, same, I think the same of you, like you're a safe place where I can go and ask all the scary questions on the how to's and all of that. And you've always been there for my girls. You're a second mommy, as, as you know, they always call you and Darla is my, my third daughter. And, um, there's a lot of challenging stuff, as we all know, Stacey, you know, this, right. Being a mom from when they're young and growing up and, just always question yourself, am I doing this right? And having her on my board, my parenting board, it's wonderful. I love you so much. You've been just wonderful. You're a great mom. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. You guys are making me cry now too, so thanks. <laughs> no, but it's hard because I think that, especially for me, I'm just gonna say one more thing on that. Especially for me, because I am not close with my family, that's always been hard for me in terms of not having the support system, like most people have a mother or a mother-in-law or some sort of like, and I don't really have that. And so Bridget's family, not just Bridget, but Bridget's whole entire family has basically adopted me and Darla. And we spend Thanksgivings together. We spend Christmases together. Like her whole family has embraced me. And I always feel like her family is my family. And when you're raising a child, you know, essentially for the most part by yourself that's huge like it to have a safe space and a loving family and know that like whatever happens i can always just pack everything up and go camp at bridget's house like <laughs> always i mean it's amazing to have a safety net like that so yeah that's great that's one of the reasons i wanted to talk to both you at the same time because i i watch your friendship from afar and I see that you're always, you know, that you're parenting together. So I love that. So it's really cool to hear that. Yeah. I, I want to camp out at Bridget's house too, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I love to throw the parties. So. Okay. Well, I'm coming yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, so that leads to my next question. Erin, um, so when you're traveling, say like you have to go out to some shows and stuff, yeah. what, uh, how do you balance that? How, how has that been with Darla as she was growing up? Like, well, when she was, when she was very tiny, obviously when she was a baby, I just, I stopped traveling for a bit because I tried a couple of times. God, I remember Mike talked me into bringing her to punk rock bowling in Vegas when she was like one, I think <laughs> one and a half, but we, but we brought her nanny with us. So I thought like, all right, we can go. It'll be fine. We'll bring the nanny and then she can stay in the hotel room with the nanny and then we can go out. And I took one step off that plane, holding my one-year-old, looked around the airport and went, what am I doing here? This Vegas is not a place for children. And I just ended up spending the entire time in the hotel room with my daughter because I didn't want to leave. And I, and I left. So the point of this story is, um, once she would, I, I tried a little bit of traveling when she was a baby, but certain environments just didn't feel conducive to proper parenting to me. When she was a little bit older, we did start taking her. Like Darla had a passport from the time she was six months old. And I think we had to renew it when she was five because she was out of pages, not because not because she it had expired, but because there, she had too many stamps in there. <laughs> we needed to get a new one. So she did travel around a lot with us, 
but it became more about um, just being able to be together as a family versus taking her out into the world. So sometimes if I traveled with Mike when she was younger, I would just stay in the hotel room, but at least we were sort of all together. And then that changed a lot when Mike and I divorced when she was four. And then we went from, you know, I, we went from a double parent to a single parent family that changed dramatically because then there wasn't really, um, it was very, very important for me to always be there and be present with my daughter because her father was traveling all the time and on tour and always has his hands in so many different projects that I was the, you know, I was the, the foundation. Um, and so I traveled with a nanny when I needed to go, but it just, I already repeated, I'm, I'm blabbering on. We're going to have to edit this because now I'm just sort of. <laughs> no, you're good. You no, know, this like, is great. I feel like I'm blabbering. But I no. still, the point is, I, I, did, I did take her to a lot of festivals and I have, I actually have a photo album of Darla from the time that she was little up until the time she was probably, I don't know, recently, even like 16 or 17 of her just sitting on the stage, like just sitting on the stage. And in the very beginning years, sometimes she'd just be like sleeping up against an amp or something. <laughs> um, in fact, I think I have one of her sitting on the stage when, with descendants in the background, just sleeping. Anyway, um, but then I realized that I was sort of taking her to places that she wasn't necessarily enjoying when she became a little bit older, you know, when she was younger, she just wanted to be with mom and it was exciting and fun to travel and go anywhere and do anything. And then when she became more of a teenager, she would voice her opinion. I would say, I'm going to go to this festival. Do you want to go? And she'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. And so for me, I thought like, okay, then that's the space. Then she just needs to stay home with the babysitter or the nanny. But then it became, I didn't want to travel as much because I didn't want to be away from my daughter. So it's always a balance. And even now that she's 18 and in college, like I went to Australia for three weeks earlier this year. And it still gives me a lot of anxiety, to be honest, to be that far away from her just in case something happens and in case she needs me so i'm still always checking my phone i'm still texting her first thing in the morning when i wake up i'm still checking on her before i go to bed you know i think people don't tell you that one of the things that happens when you become a parent is you just never stop worrying there's like it's a 24 hour a day seven day a week cycle of constant worry and <laughs> wondering are they okay did i do enough did i prepare them for this what's going to happen in their life like did I give them the foundation that they need? Are they going to make the right choices? What if they need me and I'm in Australia and she's in San Diego? Like that kind of stuff just never leaves your brain. So I think it's kind of harder to focus in your career and your business and your personal life once you become a parent because they're always priority number one. Definitely. I can agree to all of that. Uh, I have a sick 22-year-old today, so... <laughs> That I'm uh, taking care of. So yeah. you never stop taking care of your kids, you know? So no. And, and a, that sick, a sick 22 year old might as well be a sick 12 year old. Like I know. It's, yeah. it's the you're, same thing. Yep. You're always going to parent and you're always going to have that anxiety and fear about what they're doing. So yeah, yeah. it never goes away. Nope. Bridget, what about you with your job and just in just life in general? Like when you want to get away and being the only parent, like how do you yeah. do that? 
Yeah. I mean, going back when they were little to like Aaron's point, it was just bringing back old memories. I used to work in, uh, for this engineering group that was based in Southern, um, it was in South LA or actually it was Orange County. Yeah. And then also in Seattle. And then, um, I was traveling every other week. Um, I was like in Orange County three days of the week. I was in Seattle once or what, what it was two weeks out of the month. And it was crazy. Tony was on tour all the time and we didn't see our kids much and they felt like they were orphans. I mean, Fiona was giving me little Valentine's day cards with little hearts on it on a laptop. And then she was calling me Bridget eight from HR versus mom. And I'm like, what child, what are you doing? And so Tony's like, we, to we got to pump the brakes. This is getting out of hand. Um, so then we decided, okay, I, I got a new position in a new portfolio where I didn't have to travel as much. Cause you just, you, you can't, it has to be 150% on each side, but you, both parents can't be traveling that much. You have to figure out where you're going to give. So that's what we did back then. And when he toured, he balanced it really nicely. He would read stories to the children. Um, you know, he would take their books when he was on the road and try and say goodnight stories to them, or we, you know, put little, his cologne on their little stuffed animals and, we try to get creative to make sure that we had that constant connection. It wasn't easy by any means, but it, you know, we tried, uh, fast forward, like Aaron, um, you know, the kids, um, I've always tried to travel with them all over the place and make sure that they go to one new country every year and a couple new States. And then as they grew older, um, obviously when Tony had passed away, I've had a tribe that's actually helped me with the kids, uh, when I traveled for work and that's not much of a challenge much anymore because they're older. Um, and then Aaron and I, we both love to go and travel with our kids all over the place. We're constantly taking them to fun places and, and doing yeah, fun. Drag those kids all over the place. We take them everywhere. They're, they <laughs> have a great life. And my kids love the festivals, especially Fiona. Like she's so excited yeah. to go see Punk and Drevlik with you. And um, yeah. Fiona's, Fiona's always loved the music a little bit more than Darla, I think. <laughs> yeah, she's always the one. Oh my God, I didn't see Bad Religion because Darla wanted to leave. It was like, hey, come on. Exactly. <laughs> And Fiona will send me text messages when a new when a new show gets announced or a new festival gets announced. She'll send me a text message. She'll be like, "We have to go to this." <laughs> it's so cute. I know. I wish that Darla shared that passion, but I think I don't know if it's because Darla was just so like it was just so normal for her to just be on stage. I remember one time, I can't remember what show it was, but there was something that that we that she wanted to see. It wasn't a band on Fat or anybody that I had a connection with. There was some show that she wanted to go to. And I said, okay, I've got some connections. I'll get you in and I can get you backstage. And she said, can I just go like a regular person? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, like in the crowd, can I just go to the show like a normal person? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> like She wanted, to, and I thought about it and I was like, oh my God, she's never experienced that. These kids were raised, like we've taken them all around the world, but they're used to being backstage and being on the stage. And I would think that that would be exciting. But for my daughter, it was just normal. And mm -hmm. I think it's maybe a little bit more exciting for Fiona because Fiona has some, like a huge passion for music as well. But it's yeah. really. No, that's say, that's oh, sorry. That's really similar to us. Um, yeah, like Miles, um, Aaron, when you were talking about Darla sleeping and, you know, Miles until probably a year ago or two slept through every show he ever went to. Like, you know, he was always asleep before the band went on, like on the stage or wherever. Yeah, but he's in his own band, right? And now he has his own band. So now he pays attention to what's happening and tries to stay awake. But he uh, right. he opened he opened for the Wonder Years a few weeks ago and he sent me a photo while they were on stage, his bandmate took of him sleeping <laughs> while the headliner was on. <laughs> so he so just said, yeah, he was like, I'm still up to my old tricks. So yeah, 
And I was thinking about Maddie too, uh, Bridget, when you were talking about the cologne, like when Maddie was little and Bill would go on tour, she had her dad shirt. You know, oh. Bill would wear this shirt and then she'd sleep with it. It was her dad. I think she still has it too. I'm sure it doesn't smell like Bill anymore, but yeah, yeah we still have that. So, <laughs> oh, so tell me a little bit about um, this trip. You, you talked about this trip that you're taking with the girls. That's oh. coming up. So I, um, I, I kind of wanted Darla to see a few of the, you know, obviously no effects is doing their last tours. And I kind of wanted Darla to, to see a couple of those last shows abroad. And because she's been in college, I haven't, we haven't, we normally every year, especially as a family with Bridget as well, we normally take a summer vacation and we take like a spring vacation. Normally we've taken with the Slys and sometimes the Capes or the Jamesons or the Brits um, at least twice a year. And because everything got so busy and the girls were in school, we didn't take our, we didn't take our summer trip last year, also because of COVID, but we didn't take our summer trip last year and we didn't get... Oh, did we get our spring trip? I can't remember now. We did yeah, go to Mexico. Oh, yeah, we went to Sayulita. Anyway, the point is, I wanted to take the girls, um, and I'm taking Darla and Fiona with me, and we're just going to go for a week in London, just the three of us. And then I'm going to take them to two of the Punk and Drublet festivals so they can watch the bands play. And then those girls are going to fly home by themselves from Europe. So, yeah. That's <laughs> but what they are not going to do is go to Ibiza. Yeah. Or France, right? Or were they saying they were going to go to Paris? And, they're like, and I'm like, you're not going to Ibiza. And then they're like, well, what about Paris? And I'm like, I mean, okay, maybe, but I don't know. Stacey, you tell me because you're, because no. Maddie's here now. Is that every girl away? I don't trust my girl. I'm not leaving those girls in Europe when flying, getting on a plane and flying home. No, that never. No. Maddie's no. about to be 25 and I am, no. Yeah, I, no. I still, yeah, I don't understand how, yeah, I have adult children. And <laughs> I mean, one thing that happens to me now is that they worry about more where I'm at. Like if I'm not home or, you know, I mean, two nights ago, Miles just, you know, was I was at the movies and he was just like, but where are you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, or Maddie, she doesn't even live with us. And she was coming over and she's like, why are you not home? You know, and I'm like, well, what? <laughs> I have a life, you know? Yeah. So. It doesn't yeah. change at all. And I worry constantly about them. I know I'm, it makes them crazy, but I, you know, I can't help it. Yeah, I, can't I wouldn't be, it. wouldn't be good parents if we didn't worry. So that's right. Yeah. I Always worry. Sick of like it. My parents didn't even know where I was ever. Like, I, honestly, <laughs> I was like, it'd be dark and people would be looking around and going, wait, oh, I have to tell you this story. Cause this truly yeah. happened. I was raised on a farm in this little teeny tiny, tiny town called Penryn, population 1500 in Northern California. And we had chores. We had all kinds of animals. We had, we had sheep, we had goats, we had pigs, we had cows. We had, and I had chores every morning before I got up to school, I had to go feed the chickens and the pigs and the goats and the sheep. And then I had chores before um, I went to bed at night as well. And then we had gardening on the weekends, like during like Saturday and Sunday, it wasn't playtime. You had to go out and you had to like weed the garden and get this big hoe and get rid of these thistles in the pasture. Anyway, point of the story is that we had this really mean ram, a, a, a male sheep with the had, you know, horns and his name was Ramsey. And he was so mean. And anytime you would go into the pasture, he would charge at you and butt you from behind. And then you just go flying. 
And my dad had this cattle prod, which would like electrocute him. So when my dad went out into the pasture anywhere near this mean sheep, he would have the cattle prod. So he never got headbutted by this ram. I, on the other hand, was like a six-year-old child out there just running for my life. And one time I was out there on a Saturday and that mean ram chased me up this big rock because he was chasing me and trying to butt me. And I ran up on this rock and I was sitting up there and it was like, I don't know, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I just sat up there screaming for someone, (laughs) help, help. And I thought somebody's going to notice that I'm missing, right? Like at some point, someone's going to notice that I'm not here. The sun went down. I'm just sitting on this rock for like seven hours. (laughs) Nobody noticed I was missing. And I think finally when the sun went down, like around dinner time, they sent my brother and my sister out to like, go find Aaron. I don't think we've seen her all day long. And then they came and rescued me. But I'm like, the point of this story is... (laughs) I don't think anybody knew where I was <laughs> as a kid. They certainly weren't worried that I was on a rock being chased by a mean ram. That's a crazy story. Wow. True. <laughs> <laughs> well, I moved straight when I was 17. I moved straight from that small farm town to San Francisco. And I never looked back. You might still be sitting on that rock actually too. So yeah, you know. exactly. So, okay. Mom's day is coming up. Are there any plans? Do your kids have plans for you or you have plans together? Well, Darla, I have to move her out of the dorms. So the semester is ending at school. So I have to move her out of the dorms on the 12th and Mother's Day is the 14th. So I anticipate that she has not made any plans. So I made us a reservation um, for brunch in San Francisco, just in case she hasn't really planned anything because I feel like she's probably forgotten not forgotten about mother's day she would never forget me on mother's day but just is a little bit busy wrapping up school finishing finals and getting herself packed up gotcha what about you bridget yeah i'm actually i haven't told you this yet aaron but i'm heading to santa barbara to go pack up fiona as well that weekend so i think yeah so i think my sister and i are going to go down there on friday and pack her up and then probably do like a nice little brunch somewhere on the beach that sunday and then bring her home so well, you know what's so funny about that is you're gonna, you're gonna miss me by one day. That's crazy. There's a possible chance that I will go on Monday because she wanted to do the whole finals, the party thing that weekend with her friends. Yeah, it's possible I'll be there Monday, but yeah, that's that's our plan for today. Yeah, you're gonna miss me by like one day. I know. Story of our life. <laughs> that's a bummer. I know. What are you well, gonna do? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll have. Yeah, the guys will be gone. Um, I think Maddie had some other plans. We're, Maddie's birthday is the same week, so um, we're, more, we're more on what are we doing with Maddie and some shows happening that week in our family. So, yeah. I mean, they won't forget me. They won't trust me, but I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like to make my own plans, too. So I do, too. You know, something that makes me happy. That's it's supposed to be about me. Yeah, so, that's why. That's why I booked a backup brunch in case in case there were no plans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, end this interview with you both, but I really would like to know if you have, um, starting with you, Bridget, just any future words of wisdom for moms, up and coming mothers out there. Oh, oh gosh. Um, my favorite story is when we had Fiona before Tony and I went to every parenting class, read every parenting book. And we were 30 days in after she was born 
And we were, we decided it was some weird thing that we decided we both wanted to feed her because I wish she was bottle fed and because we wanted to spend the time and bond and all that good stuff. But we were clearly just like strung out and tired. We, after 30 days, we were like, oh my God, we can't handle this. We're both waking up for every feeding. And I remember sitting at this um, edge of the bed and then just crying, going, oh my God, this job is for the freaking birds. This sucks. What did we do? What did we get ourselves into? And then Tony just looked over at me and grabbed me and he grabbed me by the face and says, babe. And he says, if stupid people can do this, we can too. And I say that to myself all the time. Yeah. One more, one more little advice that my dad gave me, who's an awesome dad. Um, he was, he always told me, if you don't tell you who your kids are, somebody else will. So I think in today's age, especially with social media, that shit haunts me. Right. And so making sure I'm always on top of making sure that they know who they are. Right. Um, and Fiona likes to tell me, well, if that was my kid, I'd like to see who they are and let them tell me. But I think it's really important for your child to understand that. And, and that's it. And, and trust your gut. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Erin, what about you? Um, let me think. Well, I mean, one word of advice is maybe try to come up with a baby name before you actually go into the hospital. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Darla's real name is Lila Darby Darling Burkett. And there's no, you'll notice there's no Darla in that whole entire, <laughs> in that, in those four names, there is no Darla. And that is because Mike and I were arguing up until we went into the hospital, we could not agree on a name. We knew she was a girl, but everything I liked, he vetoed and everything he liked, I vetoed and we just could not agree. <laughs> and then we had her and we wanted to get discharged from the hospital and they're like, well, you don't have a name. And I'm like, I want to go home. And they're like, you can't go home until you give us a name. So we picked Lila because it was Mike's grandmother's name, his grandma Lila, and she was just a lovely, lovely woman. And we both adored her. So we thought, all right, I don't know if this is perfect, but we're going to name her Lila because we both adored his grandma. And then we went home and sat with her for like maybe a week. And I just looked at Mike and I was like, I can, she's just not a Lila. I cannot call her Lila. She doesn't look like a Lila. And Mike was like, I know, I think she's a Darla. And I said, yeah, me too. So she was Lila for the first week and still legally is Lila, but has never been called Lila. And then when she was like three years old, we were traveling to Japan for the first time. And you know, when you travel with children internationally, they pull as soon as they can talk, they'll pull the child aside and talk to them to make sure that they're not in trouble or being abducted or anything. So we're waiting in line for security and it occurred to me that she was now, you know, of talking age and that she didn't know her real name was Lila. And so her passport says Lila. And so I was explaining to her in the security line, I said, okay, so when these men come up and they say, okay, sweetheart, what's your name? You have to say Lila. And she said, why would I say that? My name is Darla. And I said, well, it's actually not your name. Your real name is Lila. And she said, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm really sorry, but your real name is Lila. She's like, how could you have never told me this before? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and she just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> so I don't know. That's a, just a an, funny antidote, but uh, maybe figure out what you're going to name your kid before you actually go into labor. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> Definitely good. 
know. Okay. Well, before we finish up, do you either of you have any, have any other things you'd like to say? I appreciate both of you for sharing your stories with me today, though. This has been great. Yeah, this was really fun. Um, I don't know. I just would say that um, if you're thinking about having a child and you're on the fence and you're like, can I do this? Can I not do this? How is this going to change my life? Is it going to be for the better? All of those things. Once again, totally cliche, but uh, I had all of those reservations and Darla is just the greatest thing I've ever done with my life and my single favorite human being in the world. So I would say no matter how hard it is, and by the way, it is a lot harder than I anticipated it was going to be. It's also the most rewarding thing you can do. So being a mother is awesome. I have to agree. (laughs) Yeah. Bridget, do you have anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, no, just plus one to that. I mean, Fiona and Kira are my everything. Like I told you, I'm still trying to figure out now what's my next half of my life now that they're starting to grow up. Um, but they, um, yeah, they're just beautiful, wonderful people. And motherhood's been fantastic. And thank you, Stacey, for having us. I think this is wonderful. Um, it was fun to just chat about it. And yeah. Okay. Well, Aaron, what were you going to say? <laughs> now, I'm, now I miss my kid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to check on mine here in a minute my youngest to make sure he's alive so (laughs) well thank you both again i really appreciate it so okay i look forward to seeing you both soon all right that was aaron kelly burkett and bridget sly hosted by stacy stevenson on this special mother's day edition of the rad moms takeover thank you so much to aaron and bridget for joining us and thank you stacy for making this happen and making it all about moms today If you like this episode, it would mean so much to us if you drop us a review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you're looking for more Rad Moms content or Rad Dads content, find us wherever you get your podcasts or give us a follow on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at at rad underscore dads underscore show or at Rad Moms show for takeover exclusive content. And on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok at at Rad Dads show. And you can also head over to YouTube to watch all of our interviews as well. Wherever you're watching or listening, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It helps us so much. Lastly, we can't forget to talk about Rad Dads Edmonton. Rad Dads is first and foremost a community organization aimed at positive parenting. You can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.